The Oklahoma Sooners get another one with the commitment of Zion Reagans. We'll talk about that and much more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. This recruiting segment is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy Josh Helmer, he's not with me today, but we are uh, missing him dearly. It's always uh, not as much fun to do it without Josh, so hope he's enjoying his time off. And uh, we're going to get into Zion Reagan's talk. Zion Reagan's the 2024 wide receiver commit that the Oklahoma Sooners just picked up on uh, Tuesday afternoon. It's another big-time commitment. He's a top 250 player in the 247 sports rankings, a four-star prospect. And if you need speed, Zion Reagans has speed in spades. We talked about it a little bit on the show, live show last night, where or Monday night, where you cannot have enough speed. You want to add as much of that to your roster as possible because it's the one thing that is the separator from the the good teams to the great teams. Yeah, physicality matters, athleticism matters, technique matters, but you can't teach speed. You can teach technique, you can encourage and, and develop somebody to be more athletic, to be more physical, but speed, either you've got it or you don't. You can improve it, but you can't improve it to the, the state that a guy who runs a 100-meter dash in 10.5 or better like Zion Reagans can run it. I mean, that this is a guy that opens everything up for your offense, similar to a guy like Brennan Thompson that Oklahoma just added in the transfer portal from Texas, uh, you know, a state champion, 200 meter uh, dash runner that matters, but adding another guy in Reagans, it's just absolutely huge for the Sooners. Now they're not going to be able to reap the benefits of his presence until the 2024 season. But when you're breaking in a guy like Jackson Arnold in his first year as a starter and it's going to be in the SEC. You want to have as many weapons at your disposal as you possibly can. And I love what Emmett Jones and the Oklahoma Sooners coaching staff have done this offseason so far. You know, they've added a ton of wide receiver help. Brennan Thompson and Andrew Anthony in the transfer portal. And then you've got five wide receivers in the 2024 recruiting class, headlined by Zion Kearney. But then you also got uh, Zion Reagans, who is the fourth highest rated prospect in Oklahoma's 2024 recruiting class. You also have Ivan Carrion, who's right behind Reagan's. And then you have uh, KJ Daniels and Dozie Ezekanma. So you're getting a lot of talented players and a lot of talented prospects. And I know at times people have been wondering like, why would you take so many guys? Are are there going to, is there going to be enough playing time for everybody? And this is where that kind of trusting and developmental process takes place because you're not going to develop all five guys at the same pace. You know, a guy like Zion Reagans, maybe he's ready year one to contribute. Maybe not. Maybe it's a guy like Ivan Carrion that's ready to jump in and and contribute right away or Zion Kearney. 
you know, you don't know what the developmental path is going to be for each of these guys. You know, somebody who's ready year one, or there might be a guy or two that's ready to be on the field year one. You might not see anybody get on the field significantly until year three, year four. And that's just kind of the way development goes, but that doesn't mean that they can't have big time seasons for Oklahoma in year three and year four, be big time contributors. It's just the path of, of product or of progression and, uh, development. It, that's just the way it goes. Some develop faster than others. You look at a guy like Jaquay's Petaway. I'll be honest in the 2023 cycle with him being a summer enrollee, I didn't really imagine him getting on the field early and, and being a big time contributor, but you talk, you listen to Brent Venables talk at big 12 media days, and he's expecting Jaquay's Petaway to be a big time uh, playmaker for the Sooners, get opportunities in the season in 2023, though he just enrolled. That just goes to show like, some guys are going to develop a little bit faster, catch on a little bit quicker. And again, adding a guy like Zion Reagans, similar to Jaquay's Petaway, similar to Brennan Thompson, it just opens up the offense. Think of think of Marquise Brown. I know we, we don't want to throw that comp around very often because he's one of the greats that ever donned an Oklahoma Sooners wide receiver uniform because of his speed and his ability to just take a game over because of that speed. But that's what bringing in multiple guys like a Zion Reagans has. I mean, we haven't had anybody in Norman since Marquise Brown, right? We had this flash of a couple of great seasons from Brown. And I mean, it was unbelievable to watch. I mean, a, a truly magnificent player to watch on the football field because he could just blow by anybody or he could take that, that short drag and then just run away from everybody. He was just incredible. But again, they haven't had that kind of speed on the field since Marquise Brown got drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. Well, now they're really stockpiling this because you've got Jaquay's Petaway in the 2023 recruiting cycle. You've got, I mean, we saw Gavin Freeman beat guys deep. We saw Gavin Freeman run away from dudes. Now I'm not saying he's a track star and he's going to have this, you know, four, three 40 type speed, but he's got enough speed. Uh, and then you're you're bringing in Zion Reagans. You brought in KJ Daniels in the community who has committed already to this class. Brendan Thompson. I mean, there's so much speed that Jeff Levy is adding and Emmett Jones are adding to this wide receiver room that it's really going to make it a very dynamic group in the future. Again, it's future. You got to get these guys signed. You got to get Zion Reagans signed. But you win a recruiting battle over Georgia and Florida State. I don't think we should take that lightly. Lightly. Anytime that you can beat another you know blue blood blue blood program or another you know top of the college football hierarchy program like georgia for any player that matters like that's significant you beat a team like florida state who's a team on the rise and mike norvell is doing some really really good things with the seminoles i think it's significant so especially when you have four wide receivers in the boat already and I don't know if this, you know, is significant or if it if it says okay, maybe not all these guys are going to stick, but you have four wide receivers committed and you're willing to take a fifth. It, it's it's unique and it's incredible to watch because you don't see that happen very often where they a team stockpiles at one position like wide receiver like this. But like we talked about earlier, the developmental path is always going to be a little bit different for every player. And again, there, you have multiple types of receivers and this gives you the opportunity to keep speed in your lineup for a long time to come. You know, Brennan Thompson just finished 
you know, his freshman year didn't play much. I don't even know. I wonder, I can't remember if he actually got the red shirt. So if he's still got four years of eligibility or not, but at least you got three years with Brennan Thompson, you got four years with a uh, Jaquay's Petaway if he doesn't red shirt this year. So that takes you into 2020 through the 2026 season. If those guys stick around uh, for that long and then you've got KJ Daniels and Zion Reagan's coming up after that, which could take you 27, 28. So over the next five, six years, seven years, you could end up having this really dynamic game breaking speed as part of your offensive arsenal. And you got to have that. You got to have field stretchers, guys that are going to threaten the safeties and keep them honest and not allow them to cheat up into the box and play the run or cheat up to the intermediate passing game. You got to have those deep safeties that are going to make people pay attention because you lose a guy like Brennan Thompson or Zion Reagans or Jaquay's Petaway just one time and it's toast. It's church. It's, it's six. So big time recruiting win for the Oklahoma Sooners. Another big time win for Emma Jones. Now they sit number 22 in the two, four, seven sports team recruiting rankings, just one spot behind Texas, but based on the, the rankings, uh, Oklahoma is out blue blooding the Texas Longhorns right now uh, with four, uh, nine, uh, sorry, with nine four star commitments to Texas's eight four star commitments. And this is just the beginning for Oklahoma's recruiting class, as we know that Williams Winnery and David Stone and Taylor Tatum, Taylor Tatum is going to be committing on Friday. But these three guys, big time prospects, five stars in the composite, each have commitment dates upcoming as well. But yeah, add the speed, get all the speed you can and don't look back because that speed will run right by you with somebody else. So congrats to Zion Reagans committing to the Oklahoma Sooners. Congrats to Emmett Jones and the Sooners for getting this big time commitment. Coming up next, we're going to talk about some comments from a LSU running back that, uh, I don't know, turned a few heads, but uh, we'll respond to those. And then, man, the Brent Venables and Deion Sanders stuff. It's getting out of hand. We'll talk about that in the third segment, so make sure you stick around for that. But first, we're going to talk to you about our friends over at FanDuel. It's Major League Baseball season. We're in the stretch run, and now's a great time to take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets of up to $200. That's right. Just 20 bucks in, and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under, to who you think is going to hit the first home run in the game, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn for $200 in bonus bets. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. So Josh Williams, a running back from the LSU Tigers, had this to say at SEC Media Days in regards to Oklahoma and Texas. He says, I don't think they know what they're getting into. The SEC is a beast, everybody knows, but I'm excited for them to actually get into the conference. Now, he he's not trying to throw a lot of shade at Oklahoma or Texas in any regard. I, I think what he's he's just being honest. Like it's it's going to be a tough road for the Sooners and the Longhorns in the future. Uh, this is a guy that played his high school football in Texas. So he's excited that the Longhorns are going to be in the conference, um, mostly because that it allows 
Texas high school prospects the opportunity to play in the SEC without having to go to Texas A&M or go out of state. It gives you know the them one more choice uh, to be able to play in state and play in the SEC. So when you look at those comments, you think, okay, man, that he might be spot on. Like, what does Oklahoma and Texas know about playing in the SEC? Well, here's my here's my thought on this. I think they know exactly what they're getting into. There's there's no misconception about what the SEC is for Oklahoma and Texas because the SEC is one of the best conferences of the last 20 years, probably the best of the last 10 years, and they've run roughshod over the college football playoff for most of the last decade. There's no like hiding under the radar if you're the SEC. Now, Oklahoma's had its success against teams in non-conference, in bowl games. They've had their success, Texas as well. They know that they can beat some of those teams. Are they going to be on the level of Georgia and Alabama when they get to the SEC? No, but nobody's on the level of Georgia and Alabama, right? They're a cut above everybody else in regards to college football. At the same time, Oklahoma and Texas are trending in that direction. Oklahoma in particular, I think, is on that way, on the way to becoming a team that can potentially threaten Alabama and Georgia. Now it's going to take several recruiting classes that end up in the top five to build that up. Like you can't just get Adipoju, Adabari, and Peyton Bone in one class. You got to get five-star defensive talents every class, multiple ones, every single class. And things are looking like that's going to be the case for the 2024 recruiting cycle if Williams Winnery and David Stone end up committing. But you got to have blue chip. You got to have top five uh, recruiting classes to go along with it. I think they know what they're getting into because they wanted to get into the sec to be with the best. They wanted to be in the best conference to make the best money, but they wanted to have a schedule that was going to reflect what college football should look like a, a, a dream schedule. If you're going to dream up what Oklahoma schedule could look like, you couldn't do far better than what it's going to be in, in 2024 when they host Alabama. I mean, it's been 20 years since they've had the Crimson Tide in Norman. This is a dream matchup that you just only get either in the playoff or in a bowl game or in the random non-conference year. Oklahoma's going to get a chance to, to host teams that they never would have gotten a chance to do that with because of the of being in the Big 12. Getting into the SEC you know it's going to be a gauntlet. You know you're going to have tough games every single week. But what we've seen in the Big 12 is the depth of the Big 12 has grown to such an extent that you have tough games just about every single week. Lincoln Riley saw that too in the Big 12. Yeah, there were blowouts, but man, he got snuck up on and he got got in the last couple of seasons of his tenure at Oklahoma. And so I don't think that there's any, like I said, misconception about what Oklahoma is getting into when they move to the SEC. Brent Venables has gone up against the SEC over the last decade and, and won. He and the Clemson Tigers won multiple national championships going up against the SEC. He knows what it takes to win. That's part of the reason that he's here is because Oklahoma is going to move to the SEC. They want somebody that can take them into the SEC, help them build their program, develop their program, put it in a situation where they can compete with Alabama and Georgia on a national scale. Whether you're in the Big 12 or you're in the SEC, that's the goal. That's who you're chasing. 
you're chasing Alabama, you're chasing Georgia because those are the teams with the most success over the last decade and have set themselves up as the power programs in college football. And so it doesn't matter if you're in the SEC or the Big 12, that's still who you're chasing. Now, you just get a little bit of a bump because you're moving to the SEC. What are the stats? Every single year, the SEC far and away leads in NFL draft picks, first rounders. Generally, the SEC is carrying the the weight of recruiting rankings at the top. I mean, if it's not Georgia, it's Alabama, but you're going to have multiple SEC teams in the top of the you know, 247 sports team recruiting rankings. I mean, if we just look at it right now in the top 10, you got one, two, three, four, four teams in the top 10, five, six in the top 15, and then 10 in the top 25. I mean, 10 of your 16 teams in the 2024 SEC are in the top 25 of recruiting. What that says is players want to go play in the SEC. So the talent level is going to improve. And that's what it's going to take for Oklahoma to get on Georgia's level is they got to have recruiting classes similar to Georgia's or at least get into a position where they're having top five classes every single year to get them on the verge of having the talent to beat Georgia, beat Alabama regularly. They're, they're working that way. A number eight class in 2022, a number four class in 2023 looked like they're heading toward a number or a top five class in 2024. But that's part of the reason you're getting into the sec, the recognition, the ability to draw talent, the ability to draw revenue, the excitement that's going to come with, hosting some of these teams that the Sooners will have on their schedule in 2024, having Alabama come to town in 2024. I mean, all that buzz, it generates so much positive uh, recruiting in in the recruiting efforts, so much positive uh, economically. That's why Joseph Haraz, president of Oklahoma, and Joe Castiglione, the athletic director, thought that this move was going to be in the best interest of the University of Oklahoma because – it's going to be now it might take a year or two for them to fully be up to speed with what's going on in the sec. But if you're thinking that the Sooners are going to go into the sec and become a team like Ole Miss or Mississippi state or Kentucky, where they're just kind of some middling program in the conference, I think you're vastly underestimating what Oklahoma is. Now, I know they've only got the one national title since 2000, one since the mid-80s, but they've been a winner. They've been one of the most winning programs in college football over the last 25 years. So if you expect them to become an average team, there's not a lot of evidence of that. So this, this move to the SEC, they know what they're getting into. They know that it's going to be tough. They know that there are challenges ahead, but they also know that by going into the SEC, they're going to be able to pull better talent than what they were by staying in the Big 12. They know they're going to be able to pull a williams Winery out of Kansas City area into Oklahoma because of that move to the SEC. It's a big reason probably why Missouri is still involved in, in the discussion. It's maybe why Zion Reagan decides he can go to Oklahoma instead of stay home and go to Georgia. 
but having that sec emblem on the, on the uh, Jersey, that's going to draw and it's going to draw a lot of top prospects into Oklahoma's radar and their stratosphere and their gravity. And so while there might be a bit of a learning curve, there might be a bit of a transition that takes place transition period for Oklahoma to kind of get acclimated to the, the weekend week out grind of the sec. They're not afraid of it. They're leaning into it. They're going to be ready for it. So make no mistake, Josh Williams, anybody else out there that thinks Oklahoma and Texas are going to be surprised by what the sec is. Nah, man, they've been watching just like everybody else in college football. They know it's a tough, hard nosed conference. And if you don't bring your best, you're going to get beat. But man, it's going to be so much fun to watch. I cannot wait. Last thing we're going to talk about on today's show the Brent Venables, Deion Sanders stuff is just out of hand. So Brent Venables was asked at Big 12 Media Days about just transfer portal, roster turnover, things like that. And he mentioned that, you know, he didn't do it the way that Dion did, um, where he gave a bunch of pink, pink slips. You know, Brent Venables mentioned that, yeah, he's had a ton of turnover over the last two years, but he gave everybody a grace year last year to get to get where they needed to get academically, socially, uh, you know, within, within the, uh, the relationships of the university that they were doing everything that they needed to do in the workroom, in the weight room, getting their homework done, all that stuff. And the guys that were able to do that, they're still around the guys that weren't able to do that. They've, they've moved on and had to find new locales, new places that were going to be better fits for them. Now he said it in a way that I can understand why people are taking it as a dig at Dion Stan- Dion Sanders, where he kind of came in and cleaned house. I can get where people are coming from with that, but I don't think Brent Venables was like being ill-intentioned on that front. I, I think now when, when they were kind of throwing some shade at Miami um, for some of their losses last year and, and kind of doing some negative recruiting against the hurricanes, I think Brent Venables was kind of saying it with his chest and he was being very proud and very confident that, Hey, at least like, at least we didn't get beat by middle Tennessee state. At least we didn't get blown out by Florida state. Like those things, you know, yeah, they, yeah, they lost to Texas. They got blown out by Texas, but also they didn't have their starting quarterback. I think Brent Venables was definitely throwing a shot at a Mario Cristobal on the hurricanes, but I don't think, I mean, he could have very well been throwing a shot at Deion Sanders on this front. Everybody else has been. But I think probably what's more likely is he was just stating fact. And maybe the choice of words wasn't great. And that's what's led everybody to kind of take this as a slight or a criticism of of primetime. But I think probably what it was is just like, hey, you know, I didn't, I gave everybody a year grace. He didn't. Two different ways of going about business. I'm sure Brent Venables with a lot of guys, a lot of those guys that that stuck around that didn't do the things that they were supposed to do. I'm sure that he would have preferred just move on from him last year, as opposed to give a year of work and effort from his himself and his coaching staff to something that wasn't going to pan out. Like there's nothing more frustrating at times than you know putting effort and energy into something and and someone in particular and they don't get their act together. And I'm not going to say that that's the case for every single guy that transferred out this last year. I'm sure that there were guys that had their act together, but just wanted to see more playing time in, in a different spot. But I think that 
I think that Brent Venables is probably speaking a little bit from experience. Like, man, I, it would have been nice for the guys to do what they needed to do to stick around, but they didn't. So they're gone. And that's just a little bit different than the way that Deion Sanders did it. And I mean, Deion Sanders, like he took over a team that was kind of a laughing stock. Like they'd become the new Kansas of college football. So why, like, why not start really looking to move, move people around and, and quote unquote clean house. Like if you're a one in 10 team, kind of what right do you have to stay on a program except for that scholarship offer? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to kind of get out of, get out of, uh, out of context with what Brent Venable said. And he very well could have meant, Hey, the way I did it was better, but I think probably what he was saying was the way I did it was different. And he even mentioned that, that he wished he would have played more young guys last year, but he had the veterans around that he was trying to rely on and it just didn't pan out. But I think probably what he was saying is just, I just did it differently. And we gave everybody an opportunity, gave them a chance. The reason that they're not here is because they didn't live up to their opportunity for most of those guys. I'm sure a lot of those guys, they, they did what they needed to do. And again, just looking for opportunities elsewhere. But some of them is probably what Brent Venables is talking about. The guys that didn't go to class, didn't do their homework. Because he was real quick to mention that about when he took over there were a lot of guys that weren't doing the things that they needed to do off the field to hold up their end of the bargain for being a student athlete. He was clear as day about that, that there was a lot to clean up a lot to kind of rectify and, and reorient people on what it means to be a student athlete. And so we're still in the early stages of this building process of Brent Venables and Oklahoma. And yeah, I mean, prime time, he's going to, he's going to take every, potential slight as a negative against him because it's going to help him build, you know, positive vibes about what he's building out there in, in Boulder. But man, I, I don't think Brent Venables is trying to pick a fight and stir up, you know, controversy between him and prime, like Saban and, and uh, Jimbo Fisher might've been doing a year ago. So it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what the, the ramifications are, or the, the fallout of all this is there's a, a false, you know, a, a fake quote, that's being circulated out there by Deion Sanders. It's not at all accurate, um, but I'm sure he's got some things to say about what Brent Venables had to say. There's a lot of people that do, but I think probably what's happening is it's just being blown out of proportion and here in a week or so it'll die down until somebody else says something else about, about Deion Sanders. But Hey, I, you know, for like Mike Wilbon, I'm kind of rooting for Deion Sanders because I think it's intriguing that a player could step into a head coaching job without having coached before and find the success that he had at a Jackson state or Jacksonville state. I get those two mixed up. Sorry. Potentially there's a path to success that way where they're not having to go the, the assistant, the coordinator to head coach route. And there's a chance that they could just go to straight to head coaching. If they've got the, the right vision, the right uh, culture and the, the strong values that it's going to take to build a program. So we'll see. It's, it's going to be a, a fascinating story to watch. Uh, Brent Venables though. I, I don't mind Brent Venables speaking with his chest, man, put it out there. Like be, if, if people want to make you out to be the heel, by all means, go ahead and be the heel, like be the, the face of Oklahoma football's resurgence and take no prisoners along the way. And don't apologize for anything. Oklahoma takes a backseat to nobody. 
your words, Brent Venables. Let's just keep that same energy, right? That's right. So uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. We'll talk more recruiting this week. We got Taylor Tatum's commitment coming up. Uh, We'll continue to talk about SEC Media Day fallout as we hear about it. And who knows what else will pop up along the way newsworthy wise, but that's going to do it for my buddy, Josh Helmer, taking a much needed break, a much deserved break. We'll just say it that way. And myself, I'm John Williams. Follow the show on Twitter at locked on Sooners, follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube, hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But until next time, I'm John Williams, boomer sooner.